Good afternoon. Thank you all for joining us um, for our session here. Um, so our session is titled Through the Lens of Warhol, Museum and Library Multi-Platform Partnership at Stanford University. My name is Tiffany Cicado, and I'm with the Cantor Arts Center. Um, before we dive into our discussion, um, just some quick background for those of you who aren't familiar with the Cantor Arts Center. Um, so it actually predates the establishment of the university. Um, we just celebrated our 125th anniversary. Um, our collection is an encyclopedic collection. We have about 42,000 objects, half of which are primarily works on paper. Um, we have about 60,000 square feet of exhibition space, and through the course of our year, we're usually doing up to 30 um, special exhibitions and rotations. Um, and uh, our staff size is just below 50, uh, making us one of the smaller size staffs for as far as university museums go. Um, and for this audience, it may be of particular interest to note that we have no designated IT support on site. So um, we're part of the larger university IT system. And as you can imagine, with that kind of arrangement, um, as far as planning, developing, maintaining any kind of digital technology-related initiative uh, can be interesting. Um, so today, in the next 30 minutes, um, you'll be learning about a major gift that the Cantor received a few years ago from the Andy Warhol Foundation. And we hope that you'll gain some good to knows if you're thinking about um, partnering with uh, another uh, institution or another organization, uh, in our case, um, we are worked obviously with the Warhol Foundation as well as the deep network of Stanford libraries. Um, uh, another thing that you know, if you are, if your organization is considering um, what goes into a major digitization <laughs> project, um, uh, hopefully you'll get some some good insights from our presentation. And uh, we're very lucky to have three key contributors to this project here who'll be speaking: so Clarissa Morales, Peg Brady, and Diane Weinthal. Um, I also want to recognize a couple of other uh, folks who were very instrumental, but who unfortunately couldn't join us today. Amy, excuse me, Amy De Pasquale. She was our project archivist on the Warhol gift. Um, Arcadia Falcone and Hannah Frost, who are with Stanford Libraries. So with that, I'll hand the mic over to Peg. Thank you, Tiffany. Um, the Andy Warhol Photography Archive was an amazing gift for the Cantor. So exactly what was that gift? In this slide, you can see uh, a breakdown of the components. The gift consists of all of Andy Warhol's black and white 35 millimeter photographs from 1976 to 1987. To quote the curators of our exhibition, when wherever he went, whether to discotheques, dinner parties, flea markets, or wrestling matches, Warhol brought his 35-millimeter camera with him. Friends, boyfriends, and business associates, socialites, celebrities, and passerbys all captured his attention, at least for the moment it took him to snap the shutter. This is what the 130,000-plus exposures in the Stanford contact sheets are. At the time of the gift to the Cantor in 2014, only a very small amount of this material had actually been shared with the public. So this slide shows you, uh, for those of you that may not actually know what 35 millimeter contact sheets are, this is a contact sheet. Um, 
there, the gift, as we noted in the other slide, consists of both the contact sheets and the actual negatives. We were given the ownership of the physical works. The Andy Warhol Foundation retains all copyright for publication and reproduction rights. The gift was definitely an opportunity for the cantor, and it was an opportunity to present this material to the public for the first time. It provided the resources to establish both the cantor and Stanford as a site for in-depth study of this time period of Warhol's creative expression. It also served as the catalyst to redesign the museum's website and create a more robust online presence for the museum collections. This slide uh, details the expectations of, of uh, the agreement between the Warhol Foundation and the museum at the time of the gift. Uh, the agreement promised these deliverables. A three-year time frame was agreed on by both parties, a time frame that as we began to actually get into the deliverables <laughs> uh, was extended by an additional year as we realized the full scope of what this wonderful gift required. Before the deliverables could even be worked on, there was a whole nother workflow. Uh, the entire gift had to be cataloged and assigned accession numbers. So to accomplish this, a full-time three-year term position was created for an archivist, this position being filled by hiring Amy DePasquale in 2015, which is several months after the initial gift. In October of 2017, with digital Im image files needing to be linked to the database and planning for the exhibition beginning, a part-time term position of an assistant was added to the project, and Diane Weinthal was hired to fill that position. The next slide is a shout out to Amy DePasquale, who uh, was the Warhol archivist. Her deep knowledge of all things Warhol allowed her to catalog the entire collection and also provided expert guidance to the curators who selected the images that became the exhibition. Um, Amy knows more about Warhol, I think, than Warhol did. <laughs> Partnering with the libraries, why? Uh, the library's online catalog SearchWorks is a state-of-the-art online resource with international reach. They have a large tech-savvy staff that supports this catalog. The site also includes sophisticated analytics that would allow Cantor to track who was accessing and using the collection worldwide. We could also partner with the libraries while still working on a parallel presentation of material on our own website. Uh, the next slide, this gives you sort of a visual breakdown of the timeline of the project. And you'll see from it that many of the phases overlapped in really significant ways. The period of time, I would say 2016 to 2018, um, was obviously pretty intense. <laughs> and we are even now still rehousing the actual uh, negatives themselves. So one other thing to note with this timeline is that um, in 2016, we were also dealing with a lot of staff changeover. For about a year and a half at that time, the Cantor was without a director. 
Uh, it took until 2017 for a collection department manager, myself, to be named to oversee the project and for a director of collections, exhibitions, and conservation to be hired. This lack of permanent staff in key positions for, uh, for the first half of the project meant that the archivist, which was a term position, was for a, quite a bit of time making decisions on her own without full knowledge of the entire institution's investment in the project. Can you guys hear me okay? Okay, so thank you, Peg. Um, within that project timeline that we just took a look at, we had to develop parallel workflows to ensure that Warhol materials, records, and content would ultimately be discoverable on both platforms, the Cantors and the libraries, and serve each aspect of the Warhol gift. So that gift, the Warhol collection, included, as Peg mentioned, the negative exposures, which required individual frame digitization, so we see with Jane Fonda on the left here, and then the contact sheets from which those negative frames were selected, which needed page-by-page -page digitization that we see in the center. And then the digitized files. These files enabled the creation of new study prints, like those that we see on the right. This is a unique opportunity for the cantor for exhibition and research, but it was apparent that these files really needed a platform for digital discovery as well. So the Cantor provides physical exhibition space, museum storage, and a digital collection site experience for the Warhol collection. The library, on the other hand, has a digital repository infrastructure compatible with the IIIF viewing environment. And this viewing experience allows for deep zoom functionality that is crucial for seeing a contact sheet and allows for greater search and discovery of the Warhol material. So our takeaway here is the process to distinguish between the types of material in a gift or a collection, discuss their requirements, and then determine what each partner institution can offer. On top of all of that, we also had a lot of metadata. So metadata was important for effectively collaborating on the Warhol collection as we were migrating both the records and the aura of Warhol between museum and library environments. So how did we manage this timeline with all of these pieces in both places? Initial records were created in the Embark database software at the Cantor. A batch master record was duplicated for the 3,600 contact sheets and another master for the same number of rolls of negatives. The information changed over time to encompass relevant data like exhibition history, curatorial notes, cataloging, subject terms, and all the rest. Each contact sheet came with a Warhol Foundation number. It was given a temporary acquisition number and then a final Cantor ID number, all while keeping an original Warhol job number which matched or sometimes mismatched between the contact sheets and their corresponding negatives. This may sound confusing because it was. Um, but a consistent database structure helped track all of these changes and all of the record identifiers. Records including all of these identifiers were exported as a CSV file, input to Excel, and crosswalked to mods for the library with the help of lots of manual entry and filtered changes to conform to a specific metadata template. This process definitely could not have happened without the work of the Digital Library Systems team and Arcadia Falcone, the metadata coordinator at the library. 
This was going on concurrently, as Peg mentioned, with digitization, website infrastructure updates, and the Cantor's existing workflows for exhibition and publication production. So a takeaway from this process is the importance of finding out what your partner institution's needs are, especially when it comes to files and standards. We learned that the library had a six-month timeline for digital asset ingestion to its repository, and that became a factor in our timeline to launch the physical and online exhibition simultaneously. So we highly recommend having the conversation about standardized formats, for example, things like date encoding, before processing even begins, and consider how to communicate your partnership to your audience, so make those roles transparent. For example, on the Cantor's collection display online, visitors are informed that Stanford Library has a high-res zoom view for contact sheets and may be the better platform for detailed image analysis, whereas the Cantor's site can display individual negative frames, which we'll get to take a look at in a moment. So this collaboration was concerned with Warhol image and information interoperability meaning that we needed to have the collections record data work for multiple kinds of institutions and ultimately support multiple kinds of audiences and researchers. The museum and library have different, work for, uh, different frameworks for record management, different database systems, different standards and encodings, and as we said, different levels of IT support. This made work regarding technical specifications an extra challenge and also involved some external vendors. So some important tech specs for this collection. Um, the first one being quality. As uh, Peg had mentioned, this is Warhol 35 millimeter photography, the majority of which had never been seen before. This felt pretty high stakes. We needed a fast turnaround to meet our deadline, but also required high resolution for both contact sheets and individual negative exposures. The Cantor does not have photography or digitization facilities on site, so this had to be contracted out after taking some significant time to find the right external vendor for the job. After digitizing, we also discovered that conservation work was required on some 35 millimeter color slides. Reworking images to meet that high quality standard was a pressure on our timeline. Another important aspect was rights. So once we had these beautiful, huge, high resolution files, uh, we had to be careful with their distribution. The Cantor, the Library, and the Warhol Foundation had to continually define our terms for exhibiting these images. For example, negative frames viewable on the Cantor's collection site all include a copyright watermark statement, which required a batch reprocessing of JPEG derivatives. And because there is no standard for what a thumbnail is, we had to negotiate pixel dimensions to balance presentation for an adequate viewing experience while also safeguarding the Warhol Foundation copyright requirements. And a final specification that we felt was important to share was size. So the size of our digital assets also played an unexpected factor. The Cantor's existing server and database were not initially set up for batch processing nor handling the 12 terabytes of new information created from the digitization process. We also had to consult with the library staff, including contracting another member of the digital library team, on how to safely ensure the transfer of digital files into our database with no corruption, and then how to share it with the library. 
So the takeaway here on these tech specs are to discuss upfront, if not understand outright, the evolving technical requirements of each component of a project. In our case, it involved the quality of digitization, the storage issues of file size, and the display parameters for intellectual property among stakeholders. Ample time with a lot of leeway to determine <laughs> and implement these specs is necessary on a project timeline. Also want to emphasize the importance of collaboration between all of the participating institutions. Thanks, Diane. Um, so talking about the project outcomes and some closing takeaways. So we had many concrete outcomes that fulfilled and exceeded the requirements of the gift, and which include you know, multi-platform web presence, the exhibition, the publication, um, our digital interactive that was produced for the for the exhibition, um, but we, in addition, we also had several unintended outcomes um, that were that happened because of the gift. And this was an improved museum collection website, um, a stronger relationship with our university libraries, additional gifts that have since been awarded to the museum. For example, um, in the past year, we were gifted the Capital Group Foundation gift of over a thousand photographs with bodies of work by Ansel Adams, Edward Weston, Wright Morris, John Gutman, Gordon Parks, Helen Levitt, and Edward Curtis. Um, it also paved the way for two new curatorial positions to be established at the museum, including a curator of photography and new media, and a fellow in photography as well. Um, and then, you know, gifts keep on giving um, often. <laughs> so um, we are continuing to have ongoing conversations with faculty and other um, institution-wide constituents on how to maximize this archive's reach um, to our faculty, researchers, and of course our students at Stanford University. So this is an example of the our um, Cantor website, um, digging into the photography archive there, um, where you can enter in through um, and view the contact sheets or the negatives, and there's also a link to the library's page, as Diane mentioned before, um, for that um, triple IF experience or to the spotlight. So here's just a quick video of how you enter in from our website and go to our collections page. Um, as they said, you can choose. One of the, or the main reason we decided to also include the collection on our collections page is that we have the capabilities to show the individual frames uh, from the negatives, which because of security um, concerns from the foundation on the library's um, site, they weren't able to do. So as you can see here, um, you could dig in, you can see these very cute dogs Andy Warhol photographed <laughs> at one time, um, and on the same sheet, um, a young Lou Reed as well. So that was a really interesting um, capability that we were able to realize on our on our museum website. And then moving to the library's pages, so there were two parts, our SearchWorks catalog, um, which you can see a dashboard here. Um, and then the next there was um, our Spotlight exhibit that was on the Stanford page that was helped um, uh, by the, uh, one of the curators for the exhibition, Peggy Phelan and Amy DePasquale, who came up with a, a bit more of a, a, a palatable entry point into that archive. Um, and then just in the next slide, you'll see kind of the, the how to use um, that page or dig into it from the SearchWorks site. Um, 
So you can see here that, you know, starting with the contact sheet, which is very hard to see and just the image, is using their, high, their Zoom um, capabilities is that you're able to really dig deep into some of this imagery. You see a young Madonna here um, off of her uh, uh, concert um, um, with Keith Haring and a young Jean-Michel Basquiat. Um, so you can really investigate some of these contact sheets in a way that you're not able to on our museum site. So really highlighting this technology as well as all of the cataloging um, uh, information that, we, that our archivists were able to produce. And then moving forward, um, just some analytics that were our data that we were able to gather in the past year from our library sites. Um, again, a, a key focus of, of, of digitizing this and putting it out there on our, our library sites was the international reach that it had. Um, and as you can see um, uh, in the bottom right corner, um, you know, it shows how many countries that uh, individuals have been able to access this, this archive from. Um, and um, you could see here too that um, one of a big, a big thing for us was the new users that was brought to the site, 77, almost 78% um, of people who have looked into the site were brand new users. Um, and as, as well, what we find Im found important was the amount of time people were spending on the page, so over four minutes, which we thought was pretty impressive, actually. And then, as I mentioned, our exhibition and publication um, that were produced, um, uh, you know, one of the complications, too, with this was that everything was timed together. So within this three and then extended to four year, um, uh, deadline was we needed an exhibition produced, a publication, and all of our re online research databases needed to go live basically the same time. So um, no pressure. Um, <laughs> but um, so we, as you can see in the photo on the right, um, it was a, this is an installation shot from our exhibition. It's in a 4,200 square foot exhibition space at the Cantor Museum. Um, to, we only used 49 of the, con of the over 3,600 contact sheets physically in the space. And that's because for user um, visitorship, it, it's really difficult to see all of that information at once. So with our curators, um, they developed this type of stem cell uh, context for, for the works, showing how the, from the contact sheet was uh, a Real, a larger photograph was produced to a stitched photograph to a full-fledged um, silk screen from that image that had been taken. Um, and then uh, the public, an image of the publication um, on the left. And in there you could see we produced this digital interactive. Um, and with the interactive, um, if you want, we made this uh, attract video to attract visitors to, to use it. Um, but you can, you can, we, what was really important was the functionality of this and being able to zoom, mimicking the library's, um, the library's uh, a technology as well. Um, but the ability to rotate because of the different orientations in the screen, um, as well as providing that, um, that cataloging information at the bottom. Um, and this, we, we only ended up using about 105 of our contact sheets. Again, um, money, time was an issue, um, but also um, usability, or user, um, you know, I think putting, adding all of them into this type of wouldn't have done anything for our users. 
So, and this was created with um, not necessarily to be in direct con or to always be under the context of the exhibition, so we could potentially bring this out in the future um, and reuse it. And then um, just moving to kind of our, our, closing, our closing takeaways. So gifts are great, they're awesome, um, and they really expand the physical holdings of a museum's collection, and with thoughtful digital partnerships, gifts can really grow both the museum's presence online, lead to professional growth and technical growth for your staff, and hopefully inspire, inspire future projects that expand your presence digitally. Um, but as you may have gathered, um, this was um, not a, a project that the staff really knew what, what the full ramifications were going into it. And with the staff turnover, um, this was negotiations for this agreement was definitely done at an executive level, as I would say, director to director, from university libraries to the Cantor to the Andy Warhol Foundation. So um, when the museum staff finally learned about the full requirements, it definitely was a mad scramble and really real questions of where and how do we even get started um, and how are we going to complete everything in time. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously a key takeaway for us is if we were to do it all over again, um, figure out who the key players are early on as soon as the agreement is made, even if their respective scope of work uh, or activity may not begin for several years. Um, and this is really to get them to the table to talk about the promised requirements and flesh out the timeline, acknowledging that it will keep, you know, it'll, it, it will keep moving. Um, and, you know, initially we thought of this as a very much a collection-centric project, but it ended up expanding across the entire institution um, and com coming up in different formats. So um, really, you know, obviously involve staff and partners early, start talking about it as soon as it gets going. Um, and I wouldn't say all of our missteps or hiccups could have been avoided with more advanced planning, but we would have at least felt more prepared um, and um, would have been increased the buy-in institutionally, I think. Um, so, and again, you know, this was a brand new endeavor for the Cantor. Um, so one of the most meaningful takeaways is the experience itself. Um, and the museum may not have all the resources available at its fingertips or in-house, but we now know where to get started. And I think that was really big for us and the processes that we need to have in place to execute a partnership or a project like this in the future. Um, and of course, time. The more time, the better. Um, unfortunately, too, time is not often a luxury that we museum people get ever, so um, I wanted to end with this quote from Warhol himself. They always say time changes things, but you have to change them yourself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank you, and any if you have any questions. Yes, um, but not formally. Um, so that is something that we are hoping to do. And with our this new collection, photography collection that we've just received, um, we've also have um, an archive of Richard Diebenkorn's sketchbooks. Um, 
that we've done, and there, so there are many areas that we're now trying to strategize on how to get that onto the libraries, on the library sites, because we see how that functionality and how it drives traffic to our museum site as well. Mm -hmm. um, are you seeing um, more student engagement with this material from the library site? Um, we're, I, I wouldn't say necessarily yet, um, but we're hoping that with additional um, archives like this that we have, that that will promote more student student engagement with, with our museum and our collections. Um, it is, it's definitely been something that the faculty has been using quite often. Um, so I guess in that way, it, it's, it's, um, it's expanded that reach, but um, not um, yet, I guess, fully. Any other questions or comments? How many of you are with the university museum or with the library? Our people. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.